evening, and welcome to Plan Lehigh Valley, and welcome to our partners on this program, Becky Bradley, the Executive Director of the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission, and Matt Assad, its Managing Editor. Welcome, Becky and Matt. Hello. Good evening. This evening, we're going to follow up on a lot of recent local news about trains. The $1.2 trillion federal infrastructure law adopted in November includes $66 billion in new funding to address Amtrak's repair backlog, improve stations, replace old stations, and create a path to modernize the nation's busiest corridor, Washington to Boston. Matt, that includes us. Is that correct? Well, yes and no. So, I mean, our current effort you know, there have been efforts dating back to the 1990s to sort of re-energize passenger rail in the Lehigh Valley. This latest one, though, has sort of been energized because of what you mentioned earlier, which is the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that passed in November. And you're right, it has $66 billion in there for passenger rail, but it's not passenger, it's not money that's going to come to the Lehigh Valley. I mean, that's money already committed. But what it did do what the infrastructure bill did do is it put a new focus on passenger rail and sort of a new commitment federally. And that's kind of what advocates have sort of been waiting for for years. So sort of fast forward to last month, you uh, had a situation where the Deputy Secretary of Transportation in Pennsylvania, Jenny Lewerce, in partnership with the Lehigh Valley Transportation Study, announced an analysis that will take a look at what it's going to take to bring passenger rail back to the Lehigh Valley. So that's sort of like spinning through like 30 years, but mostly since November, and sort of the new excitement over passenger rail really nationwide and especially here in the Lehigh Valley. Becky, these things take a while. People are really excited about this idea. Can you talk about what the Lehigh Valley passenger rail analysis will entail? Where are we in this process? Yes. So it just started uh, just a couple of weeks ago when the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation uh, agreed to partner with the Lehigh Valley Transportation Study. And just a a little bit of a sidestep, the Lehigh Valley Transportation Study is our sister board, and it is the federally designated metropolitan planning organization for transportation planning and investment. So um, it is actually made up of two committees, the technical committee that does planning, which will handle this process for the passenger rail analysis, and the coordinating committee who uh, helps put a bow on all of the work that the LVTS does. But since it's already a federally designated entity for these types of things, and and really LVTS invests in a lot of uh, road, bridge, transit, bike, pedestrian, ADA accessibility, um, all of that federal funding for those types of activities that you heard about in the bipartisan infrastructure law coming to the region runs through the LVTS. So that's why the LVTS. And then really kind of getting back on the rail to your question is the fact that not only is there a lot of interest from folks, but one of the core principles of future LV, the regional plan, as well as a variety of the state's transportation plans, including the state rail plan, is to provide transportation options for people. And so the opportunity to have a diversity in the types of modes or vehicles that you would take to get from point A to point B, whether it's your own two feet, whether it's a bike, uh, whether it's a car, whether it's a bus, whether it's a truck, or whether it's a train, 
is a priority to diversify those options. But really, this study is going to look at our connection to other major metropolitan regions. And that's the ultimate goal of it. How can the Lehigh Valley, with an additional mode, connect to New York and then on to Boston? Is there potential to connect from the Lehigh Valley down to Philadelphia and then Washington, D.C., and even down to Florida? Or from the Lehigh Valley out to Harrisburg to points west like Pittsburgh and Chicago? So we're going to look at those different routes as part of the study. Not all of them. There has to be a prioritization of those. But we have to start with the question of what are our potential routes for rail connections and then what is the most viable. So when you're doing a study like this, who's involved in it? Who actually does the study and who participates in contributing to the information? Well, first it starts with a selection of a consultant that specializes, so a professional consulting company that specializes in these federal type studies. You can't just do a back-of-the-envelope study and say, hey, we studied it, let's do this. No, there's a process, and it's a very significant and detailed one, to understand what the costs are. Everything from not only what I mentioned before, where the route goes, but what's it going to take to put in the track? Uh, Where are your station stops going to be? What's the cost of the building of those stations or rehabilitation of existing facilities? What's the cost of maintenance? What's the cost of staffing? How much are you going to recover from tickets? All of those things will go into the study. So you have a real idea of what your estimated business model needs to be. That's important because in America, trains in particular are almost 100% subsidized by public money. So those are taxpayer dollars. And I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail, but uh, the study is really going to get at what that picture can look like. And this is really something that's going on nationwide. Doesn't every state or regional location have this type of study going on? Um, Yeah, they're going on all over the United States. Everybody has uh, heard about the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton extension from North Jersey and probably has heard about the Redding down to Philadelphia extension through uh, Berks and Montgomery counties. But these are literally going on everywhere. I believe that you and I had talked about there's a study going on to Traverse City, Michigan, I believe. Is that correct, Greg? Right. Yeah, yeah, from Detroit to Traverse City, yeah. We know there's the Houston area, you know, the the California, the state of California has a large rail initiative. There's so many going on, but there's just, you know, not enough money to do everything. But you have to start doing these types of analysis with credible metrics that can then determine – how you could move forward, and will you be considered fundable with those taxpayer dollars? So we're not really just talking about whether or not we can get Amtrak service to New York, right? Correct. If I'm hearing you right? Correct. It's a lot, lot more than that. And in fact, one of the really interesting things in learning more about these types of studies and is that we actually have a variety of potential partners. Uh, New Jersey Transit could be a partner. Amtrak, as you mentioned, could be a partner. SEPTA down to Philadelphia could be a partner. Our own LANTA, the Lehigh and Northampton Transportation Authority, is our region's transportation authority. Everyone knows them is the bus system, but they have a potential to do more. Uh, There's a lot of potential operators that uh, have to be considered as part of this or partnerships between those operators. So there's a lot of complexity there, and this analysis is really designed to sort that out and come up with a series of prioritized options for our region. 
Matt, this isn't the first study, right? It's been done regarding passenger rail in the Lehigh Valley? It's not the first study. It's the first one that'll be this comprehensive and the first one that'll sort of be federally designated as a first step. But back in 2010, Lehigh Valley leaders teamed up with New Jersey Transit to decide whether they could create a Lehigh Valley extension to the New Jersey Transit's, uh, I think it was called the Raritan Valley Line. They measured, you know, potential ridership, capital costs, operating costs, along with a bunch of other stuff. And it estimated that it was going to cost anywhere from 650 to $710 million. Plus, there would be an ongoing subsidy by the taxpayer of about $11 million a year. And they fairly quickly moved on. I think they decided that it was not worth that expenditure at the time. Now, lots of things have changed since then. At that time, they were in the middle of a recession. And at that time, actually, I think the state and the, the region, what they were considering like how they could trim their road and bridge projects. So they ve weren't very well going to add an extra expense to that. So things have changed, but other, some other things have changed as well and, uh, on the other side of it. You know, since the pandemic, fewer people are riding trains. And that's an issue that's changed since that study 12 years ago. And some of that has come back, but I think most of the folks who project those type of things they don't think that train ridership is going to reach pre-pandemic levels anytime soon. That's a really good point, Matt. And Debbie Secretary Loris was telling us that um, most inner city passenger rail systems uh, across the country are around 40 to 50 percent ridership of what they were pre-pandemic. And so that increases then the subsidy needed by the public to put in to maintain existing systems. So how are we going to add additional systems, uh, additional pieces of the network? And, and I think that's a really important discussion to have because you have to understand what your challenges are in order to chart an appropriate path forward if there is one. And I think one of the things that's very important about this study is we're going to find out whether we're even a viable potential connection to this larger um, national system of passenger rail. So, and a lot of that's driven by federal policy. It's not just up to us. And, and that's one of the things I think that gets kind of lost in this chatter is you can't just want something and it magically appears. There's a whole host of partners and people with legitimate regulatory authority that really decide uh, what's going to happen. It, it's not Amtrak. It's not the Lehigh Valley Transportation Study. Heck, it's not always even PennDOT, though they do have a regulatory role. The Pennsylvania legislature definitely has the ability to thumbs up or thumbs down a passenger rail system. But by and large, it's federal funds. So Congress has the biggest uh, ability to either advance passenger rail systems, maintain what is there, or reduce them based on funding. Yeah, and if, you, if what we talked about earlier, this is going on all over the country, you can only imagine the decision that Congress is going to have to make. Because there will certainly be a lot more people that want this than can possibly be funded. Yeah, and really... Yeah, sometimes people want something that isn't really viable. Yeah, I mean, I want things that are viable all the time, yeah. right? Like, we, we all have our things that sound like a good idea until we realize they're not a good idea. But I don't want to damn this thing either. You know, I think one of the beauties of this study is that it's, and this is the thing that's the most exciting to me, it's going to tell us what's possible. Um, and whether it's possible in, like, this moment right now or not, or whether it's on a 10- or 20-year time horizon, will be sorted out. And that's really, really 
really important to figuring out where we'd like to go with things. Because again, it, I mentioned a, a number of partners, but let's say the preferred route is from Newark to the Lehigh Valley. Well, most of that track would be in New Jersey and it would be owned by someone else. So we would have to convince another state that our project and our connection, our destination is worthy of their investment as well. And so you see how it's a really compound, complex set of issues. But I don't, again, you have to understand your challenges, but I don't think we should let any one of those challenges be a roadblock for us in figuring out what the potential of this thing is. Because it is certainly an exciting time to be looking at these issues. There is a definite federal prioritization of expanding transportation options. Um, And so um, we have a real opportunity because PennDOT said, yeah, we think you're worth partnering with to see what the potential of this is to uh, really work together to see what that is. Uh, Because so many people, thousands of people want to know if it is possible. And we're going to find out. So Becky, you're talking about challenges that would have to be cleared for this to happen. Uh, Would you say that crossing state lines is probably the biggest one or are there others that you think of? You guys are actually (laughs) experts at putting puzzles together. This is all you do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's part of the reason I'm so excited about it because this is a great opportunity to solve a compound complex issue. And there's nothing more exciting to a planner than a difficult problem. But uh, yes, definitely the preferred route is the Newark uh, Lehigh Valley route, and which people generally just call the New York route. But there you would have to switch trains um, from what we understand. But we could find out otherwise. So I want to keep an open mind on that, too. But um, really, we're talking about dealing with interstate commerce, and that's where the federal government would play a big role. And I think that there's a lot of really great people at the Federal Rail Administration and across USDOT in general that are really astute on these issues. So they're going to be a major partner for us as well. And I think one of our other big challenges is the fact that like Norfolk Southern owns the tracks on that New York-Lehigh Valley potential route. And we all know how important it is to make sure that uh, as much cargo as possible stays on freight rails and off our roads. So that's going to have to be balanced as well. And they are a major, major player and will have to be a major collaborator as part of this as well. So do passenger trains travel on the same track that freight trains operate on? Yes. Hmm. Okay. You need a traffic controller just to keep track of that. Well, very much so. And that does present a problem for Norfolk Southern because their tracks in this region are very busy with freight. They made that very clear the last time we talked about this. So there would have to be ways to sort of build sidings and build sections of track. And those are all big expenses. And even sidings, they don't like that because that means you got to pull off and take time away from your trip. And everything about freight these days is how fast you can get it there. So, I mean, it's definitely a complicating factor. And Norfolk Southern, if you only go back five or six years, were very adamant that they were not willing to share freight lines with passengers. Some of those things have probably changed, too. And, you know, they may have to come to the table. But that is an obstacle. Do we have the population to support this type of transportation network? Well, I, I think Becky could probably answer that better than I could. But I would say that there are thresholds to be considered a major metropolitan that we have not hit. Um, So while we are changing, we've gained 40,000 people since the last census in 2010. We certainly are not a major metro. And uh, where we need to be, I think the study will probably also determine that. 
Yeah, and density is a key piece to that, too. Again, you know, none of this is easy. But in order to become a major metro, you, you really need to be a million people. But that's why the conversation about inner city connections is important. And what inner city means in railroad land, it actually means interstate. So going in between major destinations, usually across state lines. So it's really about that connection between places. Here's a good example. Um, I grew up in Springfield, Illinois, and the Amtrak train went through my hometown. It's not a million people. It's, you know, a little over 300,000 people, and the Lehigh Valley is, you know, around 700,000 folks by way of comparison. But Amtrak went through town, stopped, and it connected us to Chicago, and it also connected us to St. Louis, to Memphis, to New Orleans, um, and then there was a route that actually the Texas Eagle that went over into that state. And so it's moving people between major destinations. But not every destination has to be Chicago, the third largest city in America. You know, it can be places like Springfield, Illinois. And so really the idea behind looking at this as an inner city system is to be able to capture not only leisure travel, but business travel, and really have a variety of opportunities to have the ridership to support a stop or stops here, but also provide us connections to not just the closest major metro, but to other places beyond that. So Becky, if everything goes perfectly, How long would this whole process take? We were told that at a minimum, and this would require some measure of potential divine intervention from (laughs) our friends in Congress, um, but uh, we understand at a minimum that you're talking about a decade, and in reality, you're talking with most systems, like a 20 to 30-year time horizon. Now, that's in general, so we don't know specifically, so no one should, you know, freak out quite yet on that, but that's what we were told is is the normal timeline for these types of systems. If you throw in, you know, interstate commerce issues with needing to partner with adjacent states and other things, which is, is likely, you know, it, it could become complicated, and that's why we were told some of those timelines are much longer with other passenger rail systems that have been developed in the U.S. What rail service does Pennsylvania currently have? Well, they have Amtrak. They have two runs that go through Pennsylvania. One goes from Pittsburgh to Harrisburg. Another one goes all the way across the state, basically Pittsburgh to Philadelphia. Uh, There's also SEPTA in Philadelphia. And then there's also the Port Authority of Allegheny County, which is in Pittsburgh, or really the, the whole Allegheny County region. So there's really just those three. And, you know, the state has to subsidize its rail service in Pennsylvania. And that subsidy went up, as we said, when ridership went down during the pandemic. The state's subsidy went from 16 million to 26 million. So I think last year it was 26 million, and I, I don't know if that's they're not expecting that to go down. You know, so that is also an issue. So it's not just an issue of like, do we have money to build it? It's a matter of do we have money to keep it going? Yeah, because um, from what we understand from mm-hmm. the legislature and from PennDOT is that uh, they have to make revenue guarantees. So here's a, a, like a simple example. Let's say that your ticket is $10 and the cost to uh, maintain the station and the tracks and repair the trains and the, the staffing on the train and the staffing at the ticket area and the like 
sum total plus the cost for passenger movement overall is $50, but you're only recovering $10 at what they call the fare box when someone buys a ticket. How are you going to make up that delta of $40? And that's really where the state legislature comes in along with the federal government. And there's formulas for that. When was the last time people could actually go from the Lehigh Valley to New York? I think the last time New York. No, it was a long time ago. I think it was 1961. If I remember, uh, if, if I remember my history correctly, I think I may have written a story about this many years ago. So New York has been a long time. I think there was still train service to Philadelphia, and I think that went until uh, something like 1979. Um, so it, it's been a long time. It's probably longer than most people think. When people think of trains nowadays, I think sometimes they refer to you know what they see in Europe or what they see in Japan and these high-speed trains. Will this study take a look at this type of transportation, if it makes sense? Oh, yeah. Um, it'll tell us all kinds of things. Like uh, high-speed trains, in a lot of ways, are determined, can they even be high-speed? Like if you have a lot of stops, they can't be high-speed. But also there's other things, like a lot of at-grade rail crossings and things like that. And you really have to almost what they call grade-separated to really have an effective high-speed operation, which gets to some of the existing challenges that exist now on that Boston to Washington route that Amtrak has uh, in the Acela lines. Like, sure, those trains can go faster, but they can't go faster because the development around the track itself and the challenges with them, you know, sharing space with other uses uh, like roads and bridges and, um, you know, housing and businesses and all of those other things that cause the train to slow down makes it operate more like a normal speed train. But we want everything on the table. And I think that's another exciting thing about this analysis is, you know, what is the potential? Tip to tail, what is that? And, you know, what may be the best options to move forward uh, with this? Yeah, and we really can't say enough about PennDOT's commitment to the Lehigh Valley in funding this study. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know it, it's, you know, it's, it'll be north of $300,000. So, I mean, they're not just throwing this at this, you know. Yeah, this is a serious look in what could happen if things worked out, right? right. Yes. Definitely. And if they didn't think it had potential and was worthy of study, they wouldn't have invested in our region. And so definitely, definitely we should all be thanking them and particularly Deputy Secretary LaWorse for spending so much time with us and sorting that out. So as you look at this in your complex puzzle putting together mind, this also could affect in some way housing and people might commute from one of these locations or various stops along the way. It's got to be an interesting puzzle. Yes, and that's one of the chief concerns of some of the region's uh, leaders, for sure, elected, appointed of all sorts, is, uh, look, I think everyone recognizes our growth challenges right now. And everyone has prioritized protection of the environment, preservation of farmland and open spaces, improvement of air quality, you know, maintenance and improvement of water quality is some of our highest goals. And when we do public opinion surveys, which we do every, you know, two to to three years or so, those always come up as the main objectives by not only the community, but then the leaders of our community for prioritization. There is a potential that a passenger rail system 
could lead to larger commuter movements and people making the decision to move here because they have easy access to other major metros. We see people doing that now, but being willing to uh, take a bus, which, by the way, the interstate bus system, which is Transbridge, or uh, there's also uh, Susquehanna Trailways and Greyhound service in various uh, places in the Lehigh Valley to other regions and other places, those are 100% private funded. There's no taxpayer money in those, at least in Transbridge for sure. So there's that argument as well. So we have to be mindful of all of these things. I'll be completely frank. The day after the analysis was announced by the LVTS, we were already getting calls from New York City developers asking when, and North Jersey developers, when the train was going to come and what available land was around. There's always the argument that passenger rail uh, will definitely create a transit-oriented development district around the station, and I don't think anybody would deny that. But, you know, there's also the potential for things to happen in a more suburban context because you can drive then to the rail station and get to other places. To the extent of that, we don't know in this moment. And the study will give us some insight into that as well. So we can, again, take that and talk with the state and amongst the LVTS members and others and and see if it makes sense for our region or not. And so you see how absolutely complex all of this gets when you're talking about really making significant new investments in the transportation system in ways that you never have had done um, in the recent past. Becky, how can listeners learn more about what's going on with the Planning Commission and the train activity? Yeah, so everyone can always uh, look at lvpc.org for our Lehigh Valley Transportation Study meeting schedule. Right now, they're all virtual. Um, They're always public and anyone can attend. If you want a nice summary as the analysis for the passenger rail system moves forward, you can hear about it on Plan Lehigh Valley. We'll be bringing back regular updates to the show, and it's a great opportunity for you to hear it here first on WDIY 88.1. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Plan Lehigh Valley. I'm your host, Greg Deponia, and you are tuned to WDIY 88.1. Have a great evening.